This anointed teaching by Apostle David Muluzi is brought to you by God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church. We hope you have an encounter with God as you listen to this message. Now, the last three weeks, this is the third week that we have been dealing on the subject, what if there is no heaven? So this is part three today. What if there is no heaven? Uh, that what has been happening in the world, around the world, and also in our uh, areas, you know, uh, that things have been happening that have made Christians who question uh, if Christianity is genuine, it's real. You know, they have questioned that if there is ever afterlife, that when a person dies, what happens? Yeah, we have been in a, po- a, 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 a position whereby a lot of things have been said out there. Your news, both on social media and on mainstream media, that have been said. And that have challenged the faith of many. Yeah, and so, um, we have now been looking at, is there any alternative to Christianity? And the last two services that we have had, we have seen that it's very much difficult to to, uh, believe if ever there is an alternative to Christianity, an alternative to Christ, an alternative to the Bible. If ever there is an alternative to the supernatural. Uh, And this has been very critical very important because when you listen to especially the mainstream media it's advocating the fact that everything must be scientifically proven that if it's not scientifically proven then it should not be accepted and that is a direct fight against what we believe against uh, Christianity, against the word of God and that is why, as theologians, as ministers of the gospel, we need to rise up and defend our faith. You know, in the first century, people rose and defended our faith. They wrote articles, you know, they preached, they ministered, and they defended the faith. And so, we also today, we need to defend the faith. Now, this is not saying that we are against science. Science is actually uh, discovering a lot of things that uh, the Bible has has spoken or has said. And so, so science should not be used to limit and to suck out the power of God. But science is there to approve or rather... To, to confirm what God has said. And so it's very much important that we look at all these possibilities and ask ourselves questions that people are asking out there. Is there life after death? Yeah, and, and hence this series on what if there is no heaven? Yeah, what if there is no heaven? Now, 
When you say, what if there is no heaven? The question of heaven has to do with the afterlife. it, it, It has to do with what happens to a person after he or she dies. Yeah. That when, when the person breathes his last, then what? What is happening? Is it that it is dark? Uh, is it that uh, there is something that happens? Now, that's what we are looking at today. Now, uh, there has been many people who have had near-death experience. Now, one thing that they say, they talk about that they saw themselves coming out of the body. Uh, and they, they came out of the body. Some of them were on the operation table, and uh, from there they, they died. They, they saw themselves, now speaking from their, their point of view, they say that they saw themselves coming out of their body. The body would be lying there on the operation table, and there would be doctors and nurses all around, and they will come out of the, the body, and then they will see, they will see, uh, many things. You know, they would try to talk to doctors, but doctors would not respond. They would not even see, you know, if they are there. And one thing that happens is that when they come out, uh, you know, some say that there would be angels uh, or what beings that are with uh, bright colors and shiny that would come and take them and they would see them coming out of that room. You know, it's like the, the roof will just disappear and they will come out and they will see maybe the hospital down there and as they move out, they see the, a broader picture, you know, maybe the locality until they see the earth, uh, leaving the earth and going into a brighter uh, place. They would see a light uh, shining, and as they approach, uh, it would be glorious. Now, that's what they would see. Some would say that, that when they came out of their bodies, whether they are in hospital or wherever they were lying, one particular person had a car accident, and came out, and I say is that he saw himself, you know, he saw a hideous animal or being, you know, which he believed it's, it's a demon, you know, grabbing him and dragging him down. Yeah. Now, he says he would see himself going down into the pit, and it would be darker and darker, and all of a sudden, it's glowing, and it's getting very hot, and he will get there, and, you know, there would be experience. Now, somehow, these people will come back. You know, they will be resuscitated and come back. And hence, they are telling these stories. 
I remember one pastor whom we invited uh, to our church to come and share his story. Now, this is what he says. Uh, he said that he was shot several times. He had a lumbar jacket, and, uh, and, and he says that holes were there. Yeah, and, and what he says is this, that he saw himself coming out of the body, and he looked, he was like somewhere and, uh, next to a tree, and his body was lying next to the car uh, as they were shooting on it. It was lying there. Uh, now, what is that experience? And I said to that pastor, I said, that's death. You died. You actually died. Yeah. And he says, uh, that's what happened. And so, that we, we see out of these experiences that there are people who experience coming out of the body. Yeah. And that they experience that there is something that happens. Now, this out of the body experience, you cannot prove it scientifically. You know, scientifically, you can't put it in a chest, chest tube and, and say, okay, this is what happens. You know, but to these people, it's real, it's genuine, it's what happened. And you can't take them out of that experience. And so, when you say that there is no heaven, then, uh, then, uh, then there is no afterlife, you know. And then if there is no afterlife, there is no heaven, then there is no hell, you know, either. Yeah. And is there a possibility that there is no hell? Yeah. Today I want us to focus on, you know, the issue of hell. You know, is there a possibility that there is no hell? Maybe uh, many of us have been warned and has been... Uh, uh, told that, oh, when you do this, you'll go to hell, and that people have tried to scare us with hell, and uh, we have been afraid of hell, and what is hell? Yeah. Now, generally, hell is believed to be a place of torment, is believed to be a place of suffering, and it is believed to be a place of punishment, uh, that it is where people will be tormented, where suffering will happen, where people will be punished. Now, that's what hell is believed to be. Now, it is believed to be a place where evil people go when they die. You know, hell generally is believed that when an evil person dies, goes to hell. Yeah. Now, if we do not accept accounts of people who had near-death experience, if we say those people maybe had a bad dream, you know, if we don't expect accounts of people who have even died and came back to life to tell their stories, if we discount what the Bible says about afterlife, yeah. If we discard physical evidence of the possibility of heaven and hell, 
then we can all live our lives like with no strings attached, as we feel like. You know, we can live our lives anyhow because, uh, we, 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 because we say that when you die, that is the end of you. Yeah. And so, but now, is there hell? Now, someone once said to me, he said that, what if when you die, you realize, if possible, that death was the end of existence? You know, that when you die, that was the end of existence. And what if then you discover that there is no heaven and there is no hell? Remember, I was in high school and somebody posed that question. Yeah. And then I then asked the same question, you know, in the opposite. And my question is, what if then when you die, you realize that there is heaven and there is hell? You see, to a person who believes that there is heaven and that there is hell, and uh, at his death, discover that they do not exist, he has nothing to lose. Yeah, he has nothing to lose. Yeah. Now, to a person who did not believe in the existence of heaven and hell, and at his death, discover that they are there, they exist, he will suffer loss. Yeah. Now, why will he suffer loss? He will suffer loss because if they exist, then they are results of believing in them or rejecting their existence will be applicable. Yeah. If heaven exists, that is, if I believe that there is heaven and I die and discover that, oh, that was the end of my life, if, if ever it's possible, because if death is the end, you won't even discover anything, because that would be the end of you. Yeah. So by now, I'm just giving this proportion that if that happens, yeah. now, uh, I would not have suffered loss. But now, here is the point. If I don't believe in the existence of heaven, and I don't believe in the existence of, uh, of hell, I live my life. There's nothing controlling me. There's nothing that says, if you do this, you'll go to heaven. If you do this, you'll go to heaven. I just live as I wish. And I die. And when I die, I realize that death was not the end. There is afterlife. Yeah. Then I would then realize, wow, there is heaven. Wow, there is hell. Now, if they are there, I discover then that they are there. Then the implication of uh, rejecting and believing them while I was still alive, before I die, then would still be real. Yeah. And uh, then that time it will be I will suffer loss because even if I try to say, now I know that there is heaven, now I know that there is hell, it will be too late because 
I will be directed to where I have believed. You know, to if I believe in God, because I believe that there was God, then I will be directed to heaven. If I rejected God and I did not live for God, even if I, I said there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no earth, you know, if I then die, I then discover that there is God, that there is heaven, that there is hell, then the implication of rejecting God will still be applicable to me. It means that I will then suffer loss. I will go to hell. Yeah. Now, hell is believed to be at the center of the earth. You know, when, when you ask where is hell, you know, hell is not out there, but it's believed to be at the center of the earth. Now, geography attests to the fact that the center of the earth is hot. You know, that is why we have volcano. Volcanoes. Volcano is the physical evidence that it is hot at the center of the earth. Yeah. That you cannot dispute that. Uh, that a volcano, what is a volcano? Volcano, it's a, it's a, a you know, it's a, it's a molten, uh, yeah, it, it, it's like uh, rocks that have melted because of heat. Uh, just like, uh, maybe the simplest way, if when you mine gold, you take comes in a form of a rock. You know, it does not come shining like, you know, here it's shining. No, it comes in a short in a uh, 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 in a form of soil rock. You know, and and now they put it in the fire, and they heat up the fire. Uh, and what happens is that the dross. All the impurities, they come up on top and they remove uh, them. The hotter it is, is the more impurities come out. And as the impurities come out, what remains is uh, this that is shining here, the gold, you know, that is uh, shining here. So what I'm simply saying is that uh, the earth can be heated to a point whereby it becomes like a liquid. Yeah. And that is what volcano is. Yeah. And volcano then is coming from the down deep, you know, from the depth of the earth. Yeah. And so, have you ever wondered why is it hot at the center of the earth? You're expecting it to be cooler. Uh, because it's right at the center, but we know geography has told us that it is hot out there. So, every planet like our Earth has its own magnetic force, magnetic field. You know? And the force of gravity is pulling everything, every matter to the center of the Earth. That is what the force of gravity does. Now, there has been mysterious forces at some parts of the earth. Yeah. And 
One of them is what, we, what is known as Bermuda Triangle. You know, Bermuda Triangle. Now, what is known about Bermuda Triangle? Bermuda Triangle is a region east of America, you know, uh, where uh, South America, maybe where the Caribbeans are in that vicinity, you know, where Cuba is, Hespa, Neola is, where Jamaica is, where Puerto Rico is, you know, where also the island of Bermuda is, you know, that there is a certain area, and that area forms a triangle, you know, that that area has shown a lot of mysterious things that have happened there. Now, this is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you know, and it is right there. Yeah, so you can read about it, the Bermuda Triangle. You know, that there are a lot of things that happen uh, right there uh, that have baffled uh, uh, people. Yeah. Now, this is where hundreds of ships uh, have sunk. You know, they have gone down without a trace and without explanation. This is where planes that were flying would just disappear off the radar, you know, and they will uh, go down into, the, fall into uh, the ocean and just disappear. Now, the problem that we're having here with the Bermuda Triangle is that uh, a lot of this ship a lot of these boats, a lot of these planes that have disappeared there have not been found. You know, and it has just been mysterious. Now, I remember one pilot sharing a testimony uh, uh, of what happened. He was flying, I think, uh, from England somewhere towards America. And uh, what happened is that as he came in that area, the dials of his planes started to be misbehave. Yeah, and he felt some forces uh, that was uh, very bad. Yeah, and it happened right in there. Well, nothing happened. He was able to proceed. But there was that force in that area. And you ask yourself, uh, what is happening? Yeah, in that area. And this is the area that has originated a lot of cyclones. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, bad weather. You know, that it has come up from that area. And many things have happened there. Now, what we see about also Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, as I say that many uh, planes have disappeared right there. Now what is not known about Bermuda Triangle is the exact number of ships and airplanes that have disappeared in Bermuda Triangle. You know, 
and mo the most common estimate is about 50 ships and 20 airplanes, you know, that over the years have disappeared. Now, the wreckage of many ships and planes reported missing in the region has not been recovered. And so, it is not known whether the disappearance of these uh, planes and ships in the Bermuda Triangle have been as a result of human error or weather phenomena. Yeah. Now, one diver, uh, those who are scuba diving, you know, diving uh, into deep into the ocean, you know, tells a story of that he went down in that area, you know, Bermuda Triangle. He dived, he went down, and he reached the bottom of the ocean, and it was a sand. And then as he reached there, all of a sudden he started uh, feeling pressure and a force that was pulling him into the sand. I mean, this is an experienced diver. Yeah. It was pulling him into the sand. And it began to pull him. He was trying to uh, come uh, on top, but it was pulling him. And it was strange. And he says that all of a sudden he started to hear chains rattling. Yeah. And, uh, and while he was still hearing chains, he heard sounds of people in torment. Yeah. Now that's what he was saying. He was, he was not a Christian at that time, but he's telling of his experience, you know, of what happened. Uh, and people were crying, you know, in chains, in torment, and were, uh, were, were out there. And then he, fortunately, he, he, he was able to escape and that force, and he came up. And when he came back into the boat, uh, where he was, you know, where he launched from, you know, he, he was terrified. He told them, this is what I experienced. This is what happened, you know. Now, what might these incidences indicate? Yeah. You see, all these factors point to the evidence that there might be life after death. All these points, all these factors point to the fact that there might be heaven and there might be hell. Yeah. They all point to the fact that the Bible might be true. Yeah. That maybe if you were doubting the Bible, it might be true. Yeah. Now, I want us to look at Second Peter chapter 2 and we're going to read verse 4. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned. I'm talking about the Bible that was written over 2,000 years ago. This scripture was written over 2,000 years ago. It says, 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. That could that be what this man experienced, who was not a Christian at that time, but later on he started to believe in God? Could that be what he experienced? Now, Jesus spoke a lot about hell. There's a lot of things that Jesus said about hell. And the question is, why would Jesus say a lot about hell if it did not exist? Now, listen to what he says. Matthew 5, verse 22. But I say, uh, uh, Matthew 5, verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. In other words, that person will be judged. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. The council will judge him. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh, So, what Jesus is stating here is that hell will be a place of judgment and hell has fire. He talks about hell of fire. In other words, there is fire in hell. That's what we see here. Now, Matthew 5 Verse 29. Matthew 5, verse 29. This is Jesus still speaking. He says, If your right eye catches, causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that whatever causes you to sin, you better cut it off. And he makes example with an eye. says, you cut it off. And then he says that it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go with your whole body to hell. You know, and he says it's better. Now, Mark 9 verse 43 And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. So there it is. He attests that hell, is, there is fire there, and that fire is unquenchable. It, you cannot extinguish it. You know, it is always there, burning. Now, in Matthew 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So here we see here that God is capable to destroy the body and the soul 
and to destroy it in hell. And Luke 12, verse 5. But I will, will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So God has authority to cast any person into hell. And then the Bible says that we are to fear him, fear God. Matthew 23, verse 33, Jesus said, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell. And that there will be people who will be sentenced to hell. Now, it can't be that Jesus talks a lot about hell if hell was not there. I have heard many people joking and saying that, well, uh, let's all go to hell we will all going to have party there. We'll have a great time there, enjoy ourselves there in hell. All our friends will be there, so at least I won't be alone. I'm having my friends. Look here, uh, hell is a place of torment. You know, it's not a place whereby you will be enjoying. I mean, just think about this, that when you are uh, in serious prison, I'm not talking about prisons whereby it's a five-star hotel, but I'm talking about a serious prison, you know, serious prison that that are out there, you know, uh, in when you look at some of the countries, uh, serious prison whereby uh, there's no food, you scramble for everything, you have thousand in that, you know, and in that one room. And it's the survival of the fetus. When you die, they take your body out, you know, and uh, it's there. I'm telling you that even if your friends are there, it's a terrible place. Now, if a physical prison can be like that, what do you think of hell? Uh, Definitely, the Bible says that it's a place of torment, and that there is an unquenchable fire out there. Now, I like what Apostle Theo says. He says that uh, if you're thinking that you're going to have a good time in hell, now next time you have a bride with your friends out there, stick your hand into the fire and see how much fun will you be still having. Definitely, you won't be having any fun. And so, Hell, it's real, and it's not a place of fun. It's a place of torment. It's a place of judgment. It's a place where uh, we will be regretting. And you know, Jesus, who is God, tells a story, and which gives us 
open, it opens up our eyes to see what is actually happening in hell. In the book of Luke chapter 16, I want us to analyze this portion of scripture which will help us even as we talk about hell, the reality of hell. Luke chapter 16 from verse 19. The Bible says, now this is Jesus speaking. He says, there was a rich man. He doesn't say, this is a parable that I am telling that the kingdom of heaven is, no. He says, there was, meaning it was there. That this incident is not a parable, but it's something that happened. And he says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus. Now, covered with sores. Lazarus, Lazarus, his name is mentioned, which attests to the fact that this is a real story. You look at all the parables uh, that Jesus said. There is no name of a person that is mentioned. It's a parable. You know, now, to show that this is not a parable, but in, in fact, it's a true story. It's what happened. He mentions that there was a rich man, and there was also Lazarus, and Lazarus was covered with sores. You know, verse 21, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abram's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, do you see two contrasting things here? Is that the first one is that the poor man, Lazarus, died. Yeah. And when he died, that was not the end of his life. Yeah. The Bible says that he was carried by angels to Abram's side. Yeah. So meaning that when a person, when a, a righteous person dies, that that person, when his body is buried, uh, but that person, when he dies, when his spirit leaves the body, that his spirit is carried by angels you know, into heaven. Now, in this case, it was Abraham's side. Yeah. And another side of the story here is that, what about the rich man? The Bible says that uh, he, was, he also died you know, and was buried. Yeah. And so we see here that they both died, but one was carried by angels, and the other one, his body was buried. But the following verses tells us that where did he go? Yeah. Now, it tells us in verse 23, And in Hades, being in torment, yeah, so he was in Hades. Hades is hell. So he was in hell. And what was happening here? Was he having a good time there like he used to while he was still alive? No. 
he was being in torment in Hades. Yeah. He lifted up his eyes. Remember, his body was buried, but he still has eyes. Yeah. So these are uh, eyes of the soul you could see. Because the physical body is just the expression of our soul. You know, how your soul is, it's expressed by your physical body. But your physical body is just a house, an accommodation for your spirit, for your soul. Yeah. And so, he lifted up his eyes. He was able to see. And he saw Abraham. He could identify that was Abraham, you know, far off. You could see that is Abraham, far off. And Lazarus at his side, he saw Abraham, and he saw Abraham, uh, Lazarus, on Abraham's side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. So we see here that he was in flame. You know, in hell there, is, there are flames of fire. You know, so he was in flame of fire. And so he said, Abraham said Lazarus that he should dip his, his finger into water and cool my tongue. You know, because I am in flame. And in verse 25, but Abraham said, child, remember. So he could remember. So, he, so in other words, when we die, we will still remember. You know, remember that you, in your lifetime, received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he's comforted here. And you are in anguish. So these are two different places. A place of comfort and a place of anguish. Yeah. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. So there was a gulf that was separating the two places. Now, it means here that uh, no one can go to heaven uh, if he is, cannot jump from heaven to, uh, to hell or jump from hell to heaven. It cannot happen. Uh, now, when Jesus told the story, this was before he, he was crucified. And so what happened? All believers went to paradise where Abraham was. Yeah, so there was Abraham, there was Moses, there were uh, all saints uh, there in paradise. And paradise was just next to hell. And there was a gulf in between. Now when Jesus died, he went to hell, suffered for us, and when he had paid the price, he, he, the Holy Spirit came upon him, you know, took him out of hell and he went to a, a paradise and collected all saints, you know, and he ascended, you know, got his body and he ascended 
out of the center of the earth where paradise was to go to heaven. You know, that it's out there. And so that's, where, that's why the Bible says that he's the firstborn among the dead. Nobody ever entered heaven before Jesus paid the full price. But they were more like in a holding cell, you know, if you can put it that way, paradise, you know, where they were before Jesus paid the price. But after he paid the price, you know, there was, their souls went with Jesus and they entered into heaven. So today, when a person dies, when a Christian and a righteous person dies, he no longer goes to that paradise. He goes to the third heaven that Paul talks about. You know, he goes to heaven, and that's where he is. And so, but now, this is before Jesus uh, died and rose from the dead, as he was telling the story. He says that you can't jump from there to us, and we can't go from here to you. Then the man said in verse 27, and he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So he says, Brother, if he can come here, I feel pity for those who are still remaining. My brothers, five brothers out there who are still alive. Send them so that he can warn them. You know. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophet, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so this man thought that, you know, if somebody can just come up from the dead, they will be convinced that, yeah, it's true. There is hell. I saw so and so. I saw so and so. You know, but... Uh, what happened is that Jesus said that they have Moses. In other words, the, when the Bible talks about Moses and prophets, talking about the Old Testament, in other words, they have the Bible. You know, they have people, preachers of the Bible. He says, let them hear them. You know, so, uh, you see, when you share the gospel to somebody, that it's recorded in heaven. You know, and when, when a person hears the gospel, you know, like maybe you're out there listening to me, you're hearing the gospel, you know, that it's recorded against you in heaven. You know, that when you stand before God, God will remind you that remember during lockdown, uh, you were at such and such, a, you were at home. And then you scrolled and you came across this preaching. You listened to that message. And what did you do with that message? And so that is why it's so great that when you share the gospel, you respond to the gospel. When you are challenged that give your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus. When you're challenged that 
live for God. Live for God. When you're challenged that, uh, stay out of strife. You know, don't backbite. Don't do evil things. Then don't do those things. Yeah, because uh, what you share, you will have to stand before God and answer. You know, before God that this is what was preached to you. What did you do with it? And so it's very much important uh, that we realize that we don't have to wait for people to rise from the dead. You know, but God will remind us that uh, the weight has been preached to us, have been ministered to us, and that we need to uh, make sure that we live for God. You know, that is very much important. And so, child of God, the possibility of hell not being there is very slim. Yeah. And I believe that it's not there at all. You know, because the evidence is overwhelming that there is hell. Yeah. Now, since we have now seen that it's true, hell is there. I remember one person says that, well, God is merciful God. How can he send people that he created to hell? You know, uh, God does not send anyone to hell. People send themselves by rejecting what God says. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's just like the law is there in the country that don't do this. Now, when you do that, it is not the country that is sending you to, to jail. It is yourself because you rejected what was written. Yeah. And so, in the same way, when we reject what God says in his word, we are sending ourselves to hell. Yeah. And I wish that none of you watching this program, listening to this message, would never ever send yourself to hell. Because hell is real. I pray that you will take heed to the word of God and that you will live for God. You know, we have seen evidence it's out there that there is God, that there is heaven, that there is hell, uh, that there is afterlife. And so our afterlife is dependent upon what we are and how we are living our lives here on earth. And so my plea to you today is that serve God. Live for God. You know, I've been hearing t uh, stories of how many people uh, have just dropped dead and suddenly they died. You, know, you watch the uh, news, you hear of so-and-so, you know, had a short illness and died. You know, uh, so-and-so was being rushed to hospital, and he died even before the ambulance uh, came. We shared stories like those. And so our lives, uh, let me tell you, your life is not in your hands. Yeah. Your life, you can't say that, oh, I will do this just before I die, maybe I will repent. You might not have that opportunity. Yeah. And so that is why you need to be saving God. Yeah. We, you need to be serious about the things of God. Yeah. You need to make sure that you are growing in God. 
that you don't allow, if you're a Christian, you don't allow the world to suck you into slumber, you know, to suck you into uh, being, you, you, you find yourself being caught up in what is happening out there in the world. Because when we die, it would be too late. I pray that that should not be your portion. Let us make sure that we live for God. Let us make sure that we, we, we are, we are, our lives are totally dedicated to God. Let us make sure that, uh, that we, all is right with us, that we live, for, we live with pure hearts, you know, pure motives. Whatever we do, we don't have evil intention. We don't have evil motive, you know, and we trust God that God would help us to always do the right things. You know, in secret, we don't do things that are against God, but we always live a righteous life before God. I pray that that would be our portion. If you have a struggle, maybe you're struggling with something, or maybe you are, uh, you know, uh, there is something that you, you, you realize that, yeah, I have, a, I have a problem. I advise you, seek help. You know, uh, talk to your resident pastor. You know, talk to, you know, your pastor. And, 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 and just open up. You know, even if it's shameful, but just open up. And that they will help you. You know, talk to somebody. Never ever drown in a difficulty. Because we only have one chance the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and thereafter is judgment. Yeah. So, after we have died, there is no second chance. And so, that is why I'm saying to you that if ever you would need help, this is the time to say, you know what, I'm sinking. I need help. You know, I am in trouble. I need help. Yeah. And when you rise up, you go to your pastor, you go you know, to the person who is looking after you uh, spiritually, that person will help you. you know, that person will pray with you. That person will assist you. Your life will be better. And you will be grateful at the end of your life that you made it in heaven you know, because you live for God. That is my prayer for you. you know, never check out of this world with sin in your life. You know, with your life not being right. With being cold in God. Never take a chance with your life. It's only one chance that you have. Use this chance in serving God. So I want to pray for you. You know, wherever you are, I want to pray for you that you would be on fire for God, that you would love God, that you would walk in love, that you would remove any uh, grudge, any bitterness, that you would remove anything out of your heart. You would walk in love. You would love God. You would love people. Uh, that you would be merciful, that you would be gracious, you know, I, pray, I, I want to pray for you right now. So you may close your eyes even as I pray. Father, I pray for the brethren. I pray for your child right now.
I pray mighty God that God they would never gamble with their lives. I pray that God that they would serve you. They would be committed to you. Father God that they will live for you with pure hearts. I pray mighty God that anything that is not right would be removed away from them. Deliver them from evil in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you said that we should pray that deliver us from the evil one. I pray God for this your child, that God you deliver him and her from the evil one in the name of Jesus. I pray that God your children, you will help them to serve you, to do well in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much uh, for your commitment to God, your commitment to the things of God. I'm grateful that you know, your heart has been drawn unto God. You're becoming hot. You're becoming warm unto the things of God. And may the Lord bless you. Now, maybe to some of you who are not born again, Maybe you have not given your life to Jesus and today you say, I want to be born again today. I want to also pray for you. So I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I realize that I need you in my life to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you, God, that you forgive me for every sin that I have committed. Wash me by your blood. Make me your child today. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. I make a commitment that as from today, I will serve you. I will live for you. I will be committed to you because I love you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode. Join us next time even as we continue to learn and grow with Apostle David Muluzi. Also, visit our website for more at cfcpolokwane.com. God richly bless you.